This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Good to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise, Series 6, Episode 23. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Damien Barrett, Craig Hutchison with you. Hutchie, where have you been, man? I haven't seen you on any of the TV shows you're on. You, you missed your radio show last week. I don't even know if you're in the country anymore. What's going on? I'm back on Saturday, so all good, Damo. Nice to speak to you. And before we get into it today, can you tell me straight off the bat, there was a group of esteemed journalists who were invited, hand-picked to cover Alistair Clarkson and Hawthorne's divorce. Were you among them? And can you take us inside what happened on the day and that room? I was, Hutchie, and I think that's a, a secret anymore, given that there were quite a few people in the room, and there were seven or eight or nine or whatever it was uh, of us. But who, who it were was they? an who intriguing situation. Well, working working around, um, who was there? Sarah Ollie was there. Glenn McFarlane was there. Michael Gleeson was there. Tony Jones. Tom Brown. I'm probably going to forget a few faces now. It was 48 hours ago, Hutchie. But look, from, from a media perspective, we're, we're talking on this Thursday morning of this particular week, which is two days after the Hawthorne Footy Club made its announcement, uh, replacing Alastair Clarkson with Sam Mitchell as coach. I would think that they, as a club, would be happy with how the, the media part of that played out on that particular day. Now, we can debate how it happened. We can debate you know, the story itself, if you'd like. But in terms of the media management of let's face it, one of the most explosive coaching handovers in the history of the game, I would think that as a club, they'd have reason to think that the media arm of it was handled pretty well. Would you you agree, given you're observing this from the outside? Uh, I'll I'll give you my strong views in a moment. I just want to understand everything that happened. So you get a phone call? Yeah, I I missed the phone call, but within, within a matter of minutes, a text came and, look, it had that sort of feel to it that it was insert name here. You have been invited to, um, and it was a one o'clock uh, briefing. And by this stage, it's probably about twenty past twelve. And as you know, there's no close place in Melbourne to Waverley Park when it comes to getting there. So uh, the, the window opportunity was narrowing by the second. Did it say you were invited to a briefing, or you were invited to something serious, yeah. or what, what happened? I don't think I'm giving up any trade secret to say that there, there were names mentioned that um, there was yeah, referencing to Sam Mitchell, I believe. Uh, Jeff Kennett, the chairman of the footy club, the Alistair Clarkson. So you knew something was pretty significant if you had to get out there in in the space of 45 minutes to, to be there. So we all went out there, and I think by that stage we knew what was going on. But but it was done, Hutchie, in, in a way that, again, was, was intriguing in that when we got there, the players, I believe, were still being briefed so that they were being told what we were about to be told only moments later. And then you had Justin Reeves added to that mix, he being the chief executive officer, and they sat at the front of a – a relatively small table. They refer to it, and it's actually written on the door of the, the room, the war room, which I'm assuming is their, their committee room, their board room. And um, they had one camera in there. That was a Hawthorne Football Club camera. And no one could record any of the conversation outside of that Hawthorne Football Club camera. We could take notes. We could ask anything we wanted. And obviously, it was on record, but there was no recording of it. And then even that too, Hachi, the, the distribution of that conversation which lasted about 50 minutes in totality with statements made and then everyone was able to ask one question it was a ring of rosy type of arrangement with asking the question that was then distributed by the club itself um ultimately all of that was filtered out it got out but it was done under the the club's control and was it was it filtered out unedited or edited 
I think it came out in bits and pieces. I think initially what? it was released. Yeah, I think it was released that just the statements were, were initially released. And I think each individual outlet and whoever was in the room was able to ultimately get what it is that they wanted out of out of the conversation. And look, I've now seen it in, in dribs and drabs, it must be said. I've seen pretty much every part of the interview that was worthy of repeating in a, in a media sense um, on other outlets and our, our own included, of course. But, um, yeah, it was it was a different so, way of going about things. But, again, as we know, controlling the narrative is, is something we talk about every single week on this particular program. And I think from a media perspective, as much as it was frustrating to be playing their game, I think from that aspect of it, Hutchie, it was, it was something different but something that I can now see being um, – copied many times. Well, I think you're complicit in this, to be honest, as the president of the AFMA. And if you're saying it was well handled, everyone will do it from here on end. I actually can't believe your views on this. The media, the media part of it was well handled. Now, I can give you my view on the media, on the journalistic side of it. I'm no, talking about on. the media you know, side I, of it. I'm, I'm staggered that you think I'm, this I'm, was well handled. I'm, it's well handled from the Hawthorne Footy Club. I don't think it's well handled from a media perspective, but I'm you, telling you what I think of what they're saying. They, they've picked nine, eight to nine journalists in your mind who've been rang and texted and invited. They've provided the camera. Uh-huh. They've taken away your tool to do the job. You've been asked, you've been given a question each so there can be no sequence of questioning done. They've then released that to everybody else. And in essence, it's a it's a video news release that you've been complicit in and you're saying it was well handled. Are you serious? From a club perspective, from a club perspective, Hutchie, it didn't stop anyone breaking the story if they were good enough to get it. None of us were good enough to get it. And maybe I think what you're saying here is that the fact that you and anyone at your organisation wasn't invited. Is that where you're dirty at it? <laughs> Not even one bit. Not even one bit. I'm just, I'm just fascinated how you as the president of the AFMA are endorsing that type of controlled room as a good decision. Hutchie, can we have a... Let, let, let's let, let's have let, let's have the tough conversation that, that LSD Clarkson referred to. Let's have a proper conversation about this and stop trying to be dramatic about it. I'm telling you what I'm saying the Hawthorne Footy Club would be saying about it. Let's have the media side of it now, if, if you want, but let's not make I'd, me complicit in anything. What, what was I meant to do? Not go to the invitation? How would that? Have, what would you be saying if I said to you? Uh, different I got issue. The invitation I'd, I'd, to go. I'd, I'd, uh, different issue. No, no, no. It's the same issue. It is the same yeah, issue. Yes. Yeah. Be silly about it. But that's not. Where, where is do, – do we believe in free press or not? Do you think that they are entitled to do a press conference for everybody? Yes, 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 they probably would have, yes. So I think what, what I understand was it was Alistair's idea in, in the first place. It's It was a bold idea. I don't think it ended up exactly the way that he um, intended it to go. Um, but what it did do um, was control the narrative – in a way that they wanted it to be controlled. So if you're a club in the future, which is what which is what I said, Hachi, which is what I said. So let's have the conversation now from the media arm of it. That's exactly what I said. Yep. But they controlled something that, that that they wouldn't have had control over if it was done in the traditional media way, where it is an all-in. It would have been a bun fight. Yeah, I, I don't think we'll see a club do it ever ever do it differently than that ever again. If if we've all been able to say that's fair and reasonable, then that'll that'll be how it goes forever and a day from here. Why would why would anyone do it differently from here on? I don't think it I don't think it won them over any favour in the opinion of it. I don't think anyone in the room, you included, would change your view of the outcome. And we'll move to the conversation yep. to to outcome. Uh, what, this is what I can't get over. Right? How is it that Jeff Kennett, who is um, 
the spokesperson for governance has had such poor yeah. governance on this issue. Can you explain that to me? <laughs> uh, his governance has gone out the window twice. Once when he changed the rules as president and then came back because he didn't like the next president. And yep. so, the, so the governance went out the window then. That's just, that's just leaving aside that it, it was good that he came back to footy. That's as bad a governance decision as you've ever seen. And then now they've panicked and jumped on the back of Sam Mitchell being about to be interviewed by Collingwood, which was a scenario surely that they'd considered at some point in the last period of time and haven't run a process to decide whether he's the best coach for them or not. He might well be the best coach for Hawthorne. He might end up being Clarkson 2.0. But the point is they've guessed on this. They don't know where he is or isn't. They haven't had the chance to compare him against anybody else. I'm I'm staggered that the that a that a president uh, that preaches pr- uh, governance has made a captain's pick on this. But do you believe anything that Jeff Kennett says, Hutchie? I, I, I reckon I'm about about five percent of what I believe, and and that's that's my opinion on on Jeff. And I didn't even believe necessarily everything he said the way he related in that in that briefing we had. And that's just Jeff for you. I mean, he gave a very convenient timeline of, of events, as as did Alistair Clarkson and and Sam Mitchell. Hutchie, I want to get back though to to the the media around this. So so just finish what you wanted to say because we don't get too involved in the minutiae of the decisions on this show. We, we leave that for other, other yeah, platforms no, are think, on. But let's they, get back to, to I think they, the uh, exercise. I mean, it was clever. It was clever. It has to be said it was clever. Yeah, I just, I'm not certain that you don't – that there should be some um, – how do I put it? I, I would think a coach Riga? leaving – Yeah, I would think a coach leaving should be a free-for-all media briefing probably. I don't care about it either way. But if you ask me my opinion, if I think what's best for the game, I think everyone's entitled to sit down and you're entitled not to get a um, manufactured version of a press conference because they handpicked um, people that clearly they either respected or were favourable to, in their view to the Hawthorne narrative. And there was nine of them. It didn't It didn't really pass the, the rigorous uh, well, test of questioning. Well, well, just on that, I, I, I haven't been at all favourable to them. In fact, I have, I've, I've been bloomed with Jeff now for two or three years. Alistair and I aren't good. Um and others, you know, they're so so that, that in, in their defence on that one, they've allowed me into that into that environment on that occasion. So they're prepared for for that, knowing the background to that. So I, I don't think they're trying to hide or shirk, you know, certain. And I can't speak for the other people in the room. Yep, I think um, too. Actually, some of those people in the room may, may not have been the initial recipients. For all I know, I think because it was Alistair's idea, and they were so determined to get the version of him there on the day they needed to sell this. They really had no choice. I don't think this was a Hawthorne-led initiative by any means. I think it was entirely Alistair's uh, idea. The Hawthorne way is to get a few people in a room and we sit down and we talk about it. And he's his own man. Look, he's he's uh, he's famously stubborn. He's been breathtakingly brilliant for that footy club. I suspect they're exhausted from him. I, I'm got no doubt they don't want him to coach next year. Yeah. And the relationship yeah. is um, is broken forever from uh, you know what it was. He'll come back and be a favourite son and all the rest of it, but it's not the same relationship it was. And I don't think Sam Mitchell wants him there either. And the, and the power shift happened in two days. It's now Sam Mitchell's team, really, not not Alistair's. And yeah, and that and they went yeah. right outside process to do that, which is I just I find quite humorous. But they're, they're hoping, obviously, to flush out a, a buyer. And so all, all that being done, they needed really to play ball with him on the way he wanted to handle it on the day, I think. And so it was a Clarkson okay. lead day. This is interesting now. We, we will talk about some detail in it. So what you just said there, you're convinced that the Hawthorne Footy Club wants him out. Yeah, I don't think they 
want him coaching next year. Can you? Why would you want him coaching next year if you'd made the decision he wasn't your coach? You're only just delaying the inevitable. If he didn't have a one point whatever it is billion dollar um, uh, noose noose attached to um, or a fixed yep. contract that had to be paid, he wouldn't be coaching next year. If his contract was up at the end of this year, he'd be out. Um, so. Well, he could almost check. He could almost check out, couldn't he? And just earn one point one and have the easiest year of his life, which he's not wired to have, by the way. I mean, I'm convinced that people like him that they can't even bring themselves to consider that, let alone actually do it by choice. As, as that is to remove themselves from the cut and thrust of of the fights yeah. and the the need to be competitive. All, all that said, leaving aside Mitchell for a sec, was it the right decision to finish him up? Um, no, I, my opinion on that is no. I, I, I would have, I would have extended him. But, but again, what you're referring to is something I, I do subscribe to too. That I think the relationship grind of after 17 seasons has got to the point where, yeah, if if they if he wasn't contracted for 2021, 2022, sorry, that decision would have been a whole lot easier to make. But but I think there's an argument. He's coaching. He's coaching as well as at any stage of his 17 years. I think what he has done in, in three of the previous four weeks to to conjure wins and competitive performances is, is pretty you know, pretty impressive in the confines of a season where the team and the list is, is pretty ordinary. Well, they're, they're paying him next year to coach. I mean, the, the only reason they would have, they could have made that call was to flush out another buyer to try and take take his, his wage off their hands because... That otherwise, he's got a watertight contract until the end of next year, and they're paying him whether he does or doesn't coach. So, I, I don't know why. Yeah. To, I don't know why I needed to jump this early. I thought it was panic. I thought it was Jeff uh, being Jeff, and lacked governance. And uh, anyway, the, the, proof, the proof will be in the pudding from here, won't it? Like we're still debating around Moldhouse and Buckley fifteen years on, so it's going to be one of those legacy decisions, <laughs> don't we? I reckon. But just just on Jeff and governance, actually, I mean, people governance is a word that people throw around and 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 talk about when they're talking generics. But when it comes to specifics, there's very rarely governance. I find it's it's whatever suits anyone at the time. And, and Jeff's the master at that. I mean, actually, he 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 single handedly came back onto that board after he said he'd never see him again. And and he he, he removed the chairman and he moved the CEO and he's come back and he's now got the man that he probably wanted to get initially, that being Alistair Clarkson. And that, that was a that wasn't a little aside at the end of this 50 minutes of conversation of the day when Alistair said, now again, it was in a joking context, so that needs to be factored in. But he did say to him, he did say to him, um, it requires you to come back a second time to get me. Um, yep. He's harboured that. He's held that. Yeah, he has. And that'll that'll never go away, I don't think. So, yeah, fascinating. And the last point on this, and we'll move on, Sam Mitchell's steely resolve to be complicit in the situation shows that he's made a tough battle, right? He, he stared down the situation yeah. and created an outcome against Alistair Clarkson, of all people. Like, that's – um yeah. if there's a buying sign on toughness early, that, that to me, spoke to – to, to complete toughness, um, perhaps a little yeah. bit of innocence, but toughness as well. Hey, what did you think of Steve Hawking departing, Damo? And then the second part of that being him departing straight away. Can you can you explain this to me? Yeah, I, I can, as, best, as, as far as I read it, Hutchie. Um, he always set himself five years, so he's probably come, come one year short on that. Uh, once the decision by the Geelong Footy Club was to make him their, their main target – um, to become CEO after Brian Cook leaving after 23 years, that job obviously is not going to be available beyond this year. So that that brought the runway forward for Steve Hocking. And 
With regards to getting out straight away, I think it's just in keeping with Steve Hawking's integrity and and admirable ways, and that, that being that any decision he now makes, be it linked to a match review office decision involving a Geelong footballer, a potential mooting of another rule change, a change in the soft cap, that, that can all, as a result of his decision to say he's leaving the AFL system to go to a specific club, potentially be seen as a, as a conflict of interest and favouritism for that club. So that's um, that's why he's got out and he's actually leaving today, Hachi, today being the Thursday, um, having made the decision on the, the Monday. Is, is it a better job, first question? And second question is, do you think the pay cuts and the toll of the AFL itself has made it a less aspiring place to work than clubs? Yeah, I, I, w- I would argue that. It, it's funny, isn't it? And, and I'm big on this. He, he's going to become a, a football club chief executive officer, which on the stress and scrutiny scale is is probably 9.5 out of 10. But the role he's leaving is, is one that's 9.99 out of 10. And it's bizarre to think that a club CEO role is less stressful than, than another job in the AFL system. And I mean, good luck to the next person to take that job on, Hachi. Um, I've, I've seen pretty closely firsthand, you know, what it does to, to individuals. And I, I don't think there's a tougher, I don't think there's a tougher person in footy than Steve Hocking. And yet even he, I think in a quiet moment, and again, I'm, I may be stretching this too far, but I think even he in a quiet moment would say, geez, that, that actually that actually did some stuff to me that I never saw coming and nor thought would be able to happen to me. So and he's, he's leaving good, by the way. He's leaving well and truly um, with full faculties, he's not a he's not a broken down man. Don't get me wrong, but I think he's seen and been exposed to some things, particularly through COVID last year as well. Yeah, I, th- I would think the best scenario probably is putting that role in too, right? There'll be there'll be more. Really? It, 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 yeah, it feels a bit big for one one remit for me. I, I suspect there'll be um, a different structure the way it's set up. We'll see how that plays out. Don't you need though? Don't you need a a front person for for such a role? Yeah, I think there's probably two parts. Though. There's, there's the, running the competition and there's everything other than the competition. And, and so I suspect that there, there might be a different structure coming on that. But it'll be interesting to see which way they go. It doesn't – it's a lot held in one person's hands. And he did centralise the power even more probably, don't you think? Yeah, he did. But I think he was prepared to do that because he was able to absorb the, the public side of it in, in a way that I don't think – I think he needs to be given full credit. Now, I know I know some people may think and hear me saying this, yeah, of course I'm going to be favourable to him because I know him and I work under the same umbrella. But I've been equally critical of people before him, Archie, under the same situation. And, and to me, he, he was – again, this is my view and that's all it is. But I think he's has been as good a football operations boss of the AFL as, as we've seen. I, I really do. And um, the, the, the ability to, to, to wear, the, the, wear the bullets – is still to me the most crucial aspect of that job, and and he he wore them, and he would have worn some that even even others around him wouldn't have even known he wore on their behalf. A quick question for you before we move off footy, if, and backing up a little bit on Clarkson admittedly, if you're Collingwood now, if you're Mark Corder or Jeff Brown, there's a move here, isn't there, with Clarkson? If you can get yeah. him to convince to come, yeah. that can save your presidency, or, or create it's your presidency. Fascinating now, isn't it? Yeah. How do you how, yeah. does, how does that play out? Do you think? It's 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 strange. The, importantly, though, the call can now be made, can't it, to, to Alistair Clarkson in a way that's meaningful. Um, we, we all know the way it works. You've got you've got the official people at the club, that being the, the president and the CEO and the 
the well-known directors of a club, but then you've got the power brokers of a club who are removed from the official positions at the club, and and they are the people who make the first approaches to these people because there's they're one removed from the official operations and runnings of the club, and if anything blows up, they can say, well, I didn't know anything about that, and that that that, that is not an official phone call. But right now, the chief executive of the Collingwood Footy Club, the board of the Collingwood Footy Club, anyone on it can, can actually ring Alistair Clarkson quite openly and and pitch to him what it is they want to discuss. Equally, you'd think Jeff Brown would have, I would suggest, Hutchie, already done that. And and maybe, maybe, I'm just speculating here, Hutchie, maybe Alastair Clarkson going to the, um, his own line of command report two weeks ago with the intent to get this to board level, which it got to two Mondays ago, maybe that was why Alastair Clarkson I, did that, Hutchie. So have, I, have you thought about I that? Don't, I don't accept that he called it on Alastair at Hawthorne. I don't accept that narrative. He did. He said he did, Hutchie, because I, I sat through the briefing and that's uh, what he I, said. He I know, said he reported. I know I know he said he did. I don't believe that's how it went down, though. Okay, well, look, let's, let's go with what you, you were saying here then, please. No, I think what happened was Sam went to the head of footy and said, we've been approached by Collingwood. That got, then got discussed as a footy department. We better approach the CEO and, and Alistair said, well, we might as well we'll talk about what how the future's going to look here at the same time. And so it, it wasn't like Alistair got up in the morning and demanded answers on his future. I think it just it just set off a natural chain of events that ended up at the board table. And it was it was convenient to position it that it was an Alistair-led initiative, but I, I don't accept that, that it was. I think they... They uh, they did what they would do. He had to talk about it because Sam was about to go and be interviewed. So yeah. anyway, we talked about that at, at length today. It's a little bit fact too. Just on that aspect, of, yeah, we have actually, and just on that aspect of it, I mean, Sam Mitchell, all, all that happened as far as we can tell was an approach was made to him from Collingwood. I, I don't even think there was a meaningful and significant interview beyond that. And that's not to say he was going to get the job. So back to your point about Hawthorne panicking and and, and reacting and. There was no guarantee he was going to get the job. I think he would have, by the way. I actually do think he was going to be the Collingwood coach. That was, and I've been saying that for some weeks, and, and that, that's what I think he would have done. But the actual official nature of it was, I don't think it went, got past too much more than a couple of phone calls. Yeah, bizarre. Anyway, it's all going down in football history. Hey, now, um, we will. Hachi, we were alerted by one of our listeners um, some weeks ago, a very high-placed person, and I use that uh, phrase deliberately here, uh, about the use of the phrase impeccable Source and it's, I think it's amused our listeners, and it's, it amuses you and I. And sometimes that's all we do talk about for reasons on this show, just because if we get a laugh, that's good for enough for us. So, we've got the, the benchmark now of a source being impeccable as being your 10 out of 10 source, it, it can't be beaten. You've then got your high placed sources, which a lot of people are now using. Um, you've got your, your club figure source, club figures have said. There was a phrase I saw during the week, Archie, and <laughs> this one, this one takes some getting my head around. Popular wisdom, <laughs> according to according to popular wisdom, comma, according to popular wisdom. <laughs> Who used that? Does that fit in the scale of? Who used that? Demo? Oh, you know what? You know I don't like mentioning names on this show, Hutchie, and, and I've, I've actually listened to you over the journey, and I've stopped referencing names. But it's fair to say it came from the little paper, Hutchie, the traditional little paper, according to popular wisdom. Yeah, from someone yeah, who yeah. speculates a lot and steals a lot of other content. But, um, yeah, hey, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll leave that there. But it was popular wisdom. Unnecessary. Yeah, no, I don't think it ranks on the same rung as impeccable sources or club figures, to be honest. Yeah. I saw um, our mate Tom Brown, too, actually, is after one of the games on the weekend. It was the, the post-match news report. And um, I don't even know what the story was about, but that, that, that's not the reason I'm talking about it now. He, he quoted 
club sources and in the same conversation said other sources. So within the space of 20 seconds, he had two <laughs> sets of sources. Yeah. Has he been anointed yet as the chief footy reporter while I've been away? Uh, no. Steve-O finishes up. Mark Stevens finishes up tomorrow officially on, on the Friday I learned yesterday. So I didn't realise it was so soon that he's uh, exiting the, the caper. Um, surely they Surely they've been able to um, talk about succession plans. Surely that Tom's been anointed by now. I think like how much more does he have to go through? He's, he's a lot for the for the role, isn't he? Oh my goodness, he's been doing the role in his head for five years anyway. <laughs> he, he wants it too. He desperately <laughs> wants the title. He's and he's 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 one of those guys I see that, that doesn't care what people think about him wanting it publicly. He, he just wants it. He wants that title next to his name for some yep. reason. Hey, um, um, just, just before we get off, the, before we get off sources, um, there was a series of, of articles in that said paper before. There was a byline, the secret list manager. He, oh, yes. He's, he's a good source, the secret <laughs> list manager. Well, list managers it, in the in the newspapers tend to be uh, quoted endlessly uh, all the time. Yeah. Uh, as, as one list manager said, or as one recruiter told us, uh, one recruiter yeah. has become a, a – the theme of Gary Lyons is a regularly placed someone you quote. And now that person's actually taken on their own column, yeah. the secret list manager. And, and guess what? Guess what? The, the, the statements that the secret list manager can use, it, they're so all-encompassing and so exclusive, <laughs> aren't they? Because there's, there's anonymity attached. Yep. I think the secret list manager would be um, unbelievable um, Verity score material though. I reckon on the Verity score, the secret list manager would rank very, very highly. Would drive subscriptions, I reckon. But who gets the credit for it? The, the ghost writer, or, or the or the fabricator of the secret list manager, or, <laughs> or the secret list manager him or herself? Who, who gets it? When when the secret list managers do subscription commissions, where do they send the check if no one knows who it is? <laughs> right, let's Actually, go through this month. Let's I'm, go through this month's Verity scores. Okay, we've got Robo who's created. 400 subs. We've got uh, Alice Costa's crowd 200. The secret list manager's third, 160 subs. <laughs> if anyone knows where we send the check to the secret list manager, let us know. We owe him a check for he or her check for $6,000. Hachi, <laughs> again, continuing the theme of stuff that amuses us and hopefully it does others as well. We've been having a bit of fun recently on, on Triple M about the amount of mic time that certain commentators get when they commentate with other certain individuals. And this amused us a few years ago when, when Brian Taylor seemed to be really quiet one night when he was calling with Jason Bennett and the story went that, that he asked his wife Tanya to actually time code it and, and I actually believe that to be the case. Um, Luke Darcy had a similar moment with Jason Bennett a couple of weeks ago in the eyes of us at Triple M anyway, um, whereby normally the alpha male in the room, they just seem to just slink back a little bit and hardly commentate the game. Um, it happened the other day with Howie too and Eddie Maguire and, and Howie actually asked um, Foxtel to, to call the game with Eddie Maguire and then I didn't know he was calling the game in question until about quarter time when he threw to the ad break um, it happened again also with, with Rayshaw and, and Jason Bennett what, I ask, I reckon you're better than me I am to talk about this Hutchie it amuses me Hutchie and I've made half of that stuff up I just said by the way but it, 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 there is definitely a dynamic in the calling situation and you once set out to be a footy caller you were suspended for being a footy caller when you called the Colonial Stadium, the uh, the Death no, Valley there for a while. Inaccurate. But how does that's it? Inaccurate. How does it work? That's that's inaccurate what, for starters. I was I wasn't suspended in inaccurate? commentary. I was suspended in hosting a show. Um, so that's get oh, your facts. 
get your facts right. Yeah, and secondly, I never said to be a caller. But you, but you made the comment. You made the comment as a caller, I believe. No, get your facts right if you into a story. I didn't. I was hosting a show called Around the Grounds on a Saturday afternoon at five o'clock when I made when oh. I referenced referenced it as Death Valley twice and didn't realise obviously that Kerry Stokes was sitting home in Perth watching on the uh, a long weekend having a <laughs> bourbon didn't like it when he since he's new investment was looking pretty pretty poor. Having a bourbon was he? There's a little, there's a little a little uh, drive by on Kerry. No, I made that up. <laughs> but uh, he was sitting home um, watching at the time. Hey, okay, well, you, okay. some, comment, you were some commentators. Once. You were a caller once. In fact, you, you you called the famous the famous Essendon comeback from 69 points behind North Melbourne game back in 2000, whatever it was. So you were once a very good caller, Archie. How's it work? I, I'm always intrigued now as an outsider, and I still am, having been in the system for a while. Who gets to call the first bounce, and, and how do they negotiate those final seconds of a game that's going to be decided by a kick? Senior person takes control, Damo. So if you're the if you're the more senior of the two, you generally set the tone. I've never been in that situation before in my young twenties days. When I was calling, so I never experienced it. But I think it's pretty simple. There's some callers that are succinct and prefer to let the pitchers do the talking, and that's their style. And there's others that are verbose and need share a voice. And I think it's, it's you know, always relatively easy to work out who's who on that one. I reckon those are called radio and television. Sometimes gender, gender, call, gender talk a, a little bit more uh, on TV because they're used to it on a radio. Um, and the others who've only just called television who've always been succinct. But, yeah, there are, there are a couple of broadcasters who like to, to call uh, deeply, shall we say, Damo. And then that, that might, <laughs> might push others into their shell a little bit from time to time. <laughs> there, there was an example, I see, and, I, and I don't want to uh, name names here because of the egos involved. And, and, and the egos involved are everything in this game. And, and the friction between people who make themselves out to be friends and they put their arms around each other when the cameras are on, but when the cameras are off, Hutchie, they're punching each other, both literally and, and also to the people around them who, who determine who calls with who and whatnot. And it, it's, it must be a management system. You, you talk about a club manage, like, like game management, time management of a club that's, you know, three points up with two and a half minutes to play. Do they chip it around? As a caller, you have to time manage yourself to the end too, can't you? Because it could be – you can see a loose man maybe at the back and you might think, geez, I'd love to get this call now because yeah. if he kicks that goal, this is going to be – this no, is going to be the match-winning goal. But but do I, do I hold my fire? Do I hope that play doesn't happen? And do I just wait my turn? Because if I wait my turn now, I'm going to have the call – when the time elapses and then might be a kick out to the siren. It's fascinating to me, Hutchie. You, you think you think footy's intense on this? I'm told cricket's another level on this. Oh, In fact, really? yeah, the, the cricket handover is, traditionally speaking, about 30 minutes a session or five to six overs. Oh. There, there are some commentators around the world who are absolute experts at when to leave the chair for the break and when to be back for the <laughs> moment, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll name a name here, and I say this as a compliment because he might be the best cricket commentator in the world or one of, but those in the know tell me that Mark Nicholas can time a break from the booth as good as anyone that's ever been invented in, in, in world cricket. It, it'll be like you could be a, two balls into a hat-trick and he'll be there yeah. for the third ball over your shoulder making the change. Because that's the only one you need. That's the only one you need then, the he third did, wicket. The first two are, are relevant in the hat-trick. You know how you judge this, don't you? This is how, if you're out there yeah. and you want to judge moments of commentators, it, on the TV news, it's called a gnat sound, right? So when they let yeah. a little bit of actuality or a little bit of audio come in, you look at the cricket package at night on the news 
And that sounds. Ma- yep. Mark Nicholas sounds like he's called every ball of the day. And that's because <laughs> he's been brilliant, Damo, at getting himself back in the booth just as the moment's about to happen. He's reading the game and the sequence. And the other thing as a career commentator is you've got to be – you've actually got to hover behind the person in – you've got to lean <laughs> yeah. over the shoulder as if to say 30 minutes is up. And he's he's one of the greats. I reckon he's a hoverer. <laughs> uh, and I'd encourage you next time you're on Another the airways – Next time you're on the airways with James Brayshaw, I'd encourage you to, to ask him if he's been hovered on often in his career by Mark Nicholas. Yeah, see, I, I don't get the impression he plays these games as much as other coaches. You know, and, and if he does, I, I'm, I'm, it's lost on me. I, I just think he just goes with the flow, and sometimes it works out. Sometimes you've got the call when it when the moment comes, and sometimes you don't. And I think that's the way he sort of carries himself. But others around him, Hutchie, I'm not so uh, not so convinced that's, that they operate the same way. Hey, just on another in-house media thing, which I, I wouldn't mind raising today, you and I got a text from someone who, who knows the caper better than both of us put together. Um, made those reference are the notes. To those, actually, it's an impeccable source. He's a high-placed source. He's, a, he's, a, he's not a club figure, but he's a media figure, this person. But, again, this is stuff that sometimes just breezes over my head, Hutchie. Someone on, on media this week went with not just one, but two answers with his name in it. Now, actually, I'm going to name the person. I'm going to name the reporter. It was Tom Brown, the reporter, who went with this. So, so he was referenced twice in questions that he asked at a press conference during the week where the answer was, yes, Tom, or the good question, Tom. Now, this person has suggested, Haji, that I ask you this. If they say your name in that press conference, it, it is guaranteed to go into that that edition of the news bulletin that night. Is that fair to say that's how you operate it? It's a must. Yeah, I think I might have been the original <laughs> on this. We've been talking about this on our Saturday morning show for years, and uh, Mark Stevens okay. is, the, is the clubhouse leader. Steve-O watch is what we call it. The, he, um, it doesn't matter how you know, you name the grab is. It goes in if your name's mentioned in a sense. It's brand building demo. It's a must though, is it? It's a must. <laughs> oh, the things you do to amuse yourself, eh? Anyway, it, it's, it. it's, it's it. creeping in. It's catching on around the uh, media world, so watch for it as well. Yep. Um, got another text that, uh, this week too, Hachi, for, to raise as a topic, and I think it's a good one. The coverage of sports now around the world without a reporter on the beat, so to speak. Now, COVID has, has changed. COVID has changed everything forevermore. We, we referred off the top of our show today to how a certain footy club went about its media. But the, the beat reporter on on a national duty, uh, the, the Olympics are going to be a, an example of this. Obviously, touring cricket riders are, are no longer in, in, the, in that traditional form that they once were. What's it mean? Journalists moving with and covering sport are, are just about a thing of the past, aren't they? Like it, it doesn't, it, it won't, it won't, it will rarely happen, I think. Uh, in, and so in the, there was an article in the Australian this, this week where Australia, Australia's T20 campaign is about to start. Um, and there's obviously a, a West Indies tour basically without, without a journalist on it. Um, it it's, it's a changing landscape, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So it creates less scrutiny. It'll create less breaking stories. It'll be more of a service than a than a yarn fest. Uh, and it's obviously uh, practical not to send people. And logistics are very difficult. It is a little bit ironical, isn't it? Because is there a, is there a breed of professional better suited to quarantine than a journalist? Like 
print journalist can spend seven weeks in their house and you wouldn't know any different sometimes. So, I'm, um, I'm, yeah, we journalists are built for quarantine. We're, we're very, very happy to our own company <laughs> locked in a room for two weeks with a, yeah. with a typewriter. So, anyway, well, uh, I, I, I still argue, Hutchie, as much as it's important to get out there and, and be seen and, 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 have, and develop relationships of a, of a personal eye to eye nature. I still maintain that, and I think you have a similar view too. I think you and I have discussed this a few times that that you you still get your stories over the over the phone, don't you? Yeah, that, that's what the stories are. But yeah. The circumstances of the times are creating an excuse to manufacture uh, the way things are done. Yeah, on the other end too, and we just started this podcast with that example from Hawthorne. Hawthorne have had a version of a press conference that suited their needs, and it's you know, by and large gone past untested in the media in the week it happened. And there's always COVID to hang your hat on. If you if you need to from a club perspective in terms of numbers and all those type of things, so yeah, I think we're going to see a whole different flow of information from a media press conference perspective. The big the days of the touring journalists and the big press conferences are probably over, and clubs clubs yeah. leagues and associations are going to use that invitation to try and get their version of a story covered the way they want to, in because of the gap. And the and the gap is a yeah. is a big one. Hey, so you might head to question of the week time right now. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. There's a couple of um, specific media questions, Hachi. I'll make a, a multiple media question of the week. I'll roll a few into, into one here. Nick Morelli on Facebook, do you guys get nervous at all before live TV, t- radio or hosting gigs after the experience you've got? How do journalists get their questions heard during a busy press conference? Is it simply a case of the last person talking uh, and also given the media releases this week, AFL and Hawthorne, what are rules that need to be followed for a media release according to Hutchie? So there's a bit to take out there, Hutchie, but just work backwards. I, I don't imagine you'd get nervous anymore, would you, at anything? Uh, I, I, it's quite it's quite weird. I, I never got nervous ever for 20 years. And then in recent years, I've developed a, um, a, a degree of it from time to time. So I think that suggests I'm pretty Good. near the end. I'm near the end. Yeah, um, I would think. Just to recap, just to recap, Nick Morelli, Xavier Roberts, Richard Knight asked those questions, and there's others similar to them this week, but they're the three specific ones. Um, th- that first night that, that I was on the footy show, Hachi, after you got me to come across, um, we were on the same show, uh, round one, whatever it was, what year. I've never seen someone more relaxed. You, you, you and I were standing behind the scenes, about to be introduced to go on, and and you were on the phone as I think Brayshaw or Lloyd said, uh, "Hey, Craig Hutchison, you know, welcome to Craig Hutchison." You you were that relaxed. You could take a phone call before you're about to walk onto TV. I'd never seen anything like it. Yeah, so I think most people in media don't don't have any nerves because it's just an extension of themselves. But that's uh, what was the first part of the question. I still get apprehensive for what it's worth. I, I, I think any time the, the the camera is about to go on, Hutchie, in any form, I, I, I still have a a moment of silence because it's on and that's it. There's no, think, there's no, hey, press pause on this. Can we do that again? I think what you what you say in 2021 has deeper consequences than what you said in 2011 and 2016. Yeah. So, it, a misplaced yeah. word is can be fatal. Yeah. It, it never used that's to be. That's a good point. Even, and that's a good point. Even even a word can be deliberately taken out of context by others who choose to. The second one was about how do you get a, a question at a, at a busy press conference. That's from Xavier Roberts. Um, it, it's a great question because there is no steadfast technique 
um, as a rule. So sometimes you can just be on and sometimes you, your voice can carry above others at the correct point in time. But there's, you can also go in with a plan on those things, Hachi. I'm assuming you've done it more than I have. And you just can't get any cut through when, when you <laughs> want to get the cut through. It's not really an upside nasty question at the press conference because everyone else gets the benefit of it. But as a loose rule, yep. try and time your question. You try and predict when the, when the, the guest's answer is going to finish. <laughs> yeah, but the problem with that is, though, the person might be about to finish saying what, they're, what they've built up to say and then someone like you who, who wants to get heard cuts them off. Yeah, or if you can, if you can disagree with them, if you can say, let me challenge that answer or with respect to that, that often gets people's attention. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that was a question of the week for drink wise. Choosing to drink, choose to drink wise. Hachi, we touched on this last week, Thursday, July 22. We're having what what has been referred to as a mashup, whatever that is meant to mean, with uh, our friends at Don't Shoot the Messenger. Looking forward to this. So, yes, absolutely. On the 22nd of July, thanks to Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas, call Red Energy today. Uh, of course, um, great partners of the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast. And uh, more broadly, the mashup is on Thursday, the 22nd of July. It's at the Astor Theatre in Chapel Street, St Kilda. It's a five o'clock arrival. It's a six o'clock podcast. It's $35 a person, including the pre-drink, of course, and all proceeds go to Breast Cancer Network Australia. So looking forward to that very much on the night. Uh, no doubt you'll be there nice and early pressing the flesh demo, which should be good. And uh, looking forward to being part of it. And I, I would suspect that your role hosting demo might take a little backseat in the Don't Shoot the Messenger environment. I don't think you're the. I think Corey and Cara are both covered as a host. So I think you'll be uh, third banana work on the night, would be my, my advice to you. I, I would absolutely. In fact, that's the only reason I'll be turning up if, if indeed that is the case, Archie. I, I was hoping you were going to be hosting, <laughs> but if you reckon Corey and Caro can, that would be the case. But I'll be the yeah. fourth banana on that particular night, Archie. And that's the only reason I'm going to be turning up. So, all right. Well, Let's, uh, let's call it quits on episode 23 of series six of the sounding board for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Thanks for listening to the sounding board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email the sounding board at sen.com.au. Follow the show on Twitter at sounding board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to DrinkWise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to DrinkWise.